Hello and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I speak with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, in the podcast studio today, I'm joined by Oscar Woolley, owner and marketing director of Suki Tea. You will know those distinctive little teapots and cafes across Northern Ireland. Oscar, you are very welcome to the podcast. Hello. Now, before we begin, as always, Oscar, you don't need to speak just yet. I'm going to give a little bit of background, but oh my goodness, what a background uh, when it comes to Suki Tea and indeed to Oscar. So, based in Belfast, Suki Tea makers ethically source and blend loose leaf teas, herbal infusions, and fruit blends from all over the world. In 2005, Oscar and his business partner, Annie, set up a stand at a small farmer's market in Belfast. They then went touring about the island of Ireland, visiting farmers markets and craft fairs and with the very generous help of their friends, hit the music festival scene with their tea and toast setup. Now having a strong brand identity and keeping true to their goals was the focus at this early stage. The business plan was tea, fun and money. <laughs> Oscar, it's great to have a business plan <laughs> and that sounds like a good one to me but can we start with a little bit about who you are first of all? Of course, I well my career has been varied before I started the business I worked 32 jobs, I counted them all mainly creative and uh, a foodie at heart so they're in, I was in, worked in the food industry a lot I studied graphic design and illustration. I'm a dad. I love drawing and painting too. Right. So you, you've you got the, the, the creative in you. 32 mm-hmm. jobs. Uh, so by the time you, you got to setting up your own business, mm-hmm. had you set up any other businesses before that? I, I had. Yeah, a few, uh, a few design kind of ideas and um, teaching art as well. And just small, small kind of putting, just testing what it would be like to run a business but in a very safe environment so nothing really big this was the first big scale idea that we had really and where are you from originally so i'm from the midlands in not in england from nottingham lovely i went to university there at to nottingham trent university and what brought you uh, then over to northern ireland well i was i was backpacking around asia and i bumped into samantha who is now my wife and uh, we just stuck to each other. So uh, she brought me back to Belfast kind of as a souvenir. <laughs> Her best friend is Annie, who uh-huh. then I met uh, and started the business with. Uh, that was my next question. So where did Annie come <laughs> yes. from? How did you meet her? Hi, Samantha, this is Annie. But it was the other way around. So yes. And what was it about you and Annie then that you thought we could do this together? Well, we, we weren't... We like to challenge each other. I suppose we're both quite similar in the fact that we're a little bit rebellious and we'd we'd had a few talks about how to take charge of our lives and what what we would do as a business so there's two dates that start that that recognize the start of Suki Tea one's in March that's when we officially signed the business you know made it an actual made it official official yeah mm-hmm. but the first is a discussion we had on September the 4th, 2004. So we've just celebrated 18 years in business. 
goodness. Uh, because that first chat was just about what if what if we did start a business together? Just to, we were, yeah. So we were walking through Orma Park and had a discussion around taking control of a life. We were both in dead end jobs, mm. and at that, at that particular time, and something we just we, we needed a challenge, needed something fresh. So the conversation went from, well, I'm sure we could do it, because we've both done a uh, course with Invest NI, which was the Go For It program at the time it was called. And that kind of gave us a bit of confidence to even just have that, have that chat at the time to say, well, you know, we know that we can write a business plan and maybe get some funding and, and kind of go down that route. But uh, the conversation led to all manner of different ideas. And then we, about an hour later, we got... we arrived in town and shook hands and said, let's start a tea business. So tea became the focus. So when you yeah. said, what do people want? They want tea. It could have been, yeah, it could have been wine or whiskey or organic pizzas or a gallery or a cafe, something. But there was something that resonated with tea on that particular day. And we just went, okay. And you walked from, was it the Ravenhill Raven Road? Ravenhill Road through... Through Ormo Park. Yeah. So how long would that have taken? Two For, 40 minutes or something 40 like that. Minutes. So 40 minutes. And you come up with tea. Yeah. Suki tea at that point? No, no, no. It was just, let's take on the tea world. Mm. Let's let's kind of shake things up in what how tea is being presented. And we didn't go too much into it. It, was, it wasn't a very long walk. But it was, let's, okay, shake hands. Let's do something with tea. Okay, so you shook hands uh-huh. and you started. Mm-hmm. What was the tea world like? You knew what about it? Well, I like tea. (laughs) (laughs) We love tea. I love tea. I can't start the day without tea. So uh, Annie was from a research background. I was from a foodie and creative background. So both very complimentary when it came to kind of getting our teeth stuck into what this might look like. And the original idea, the the actual name of the business is Suki Tea House Limited, legally. And so the original idea was to take on the coffee shops and set up just a tea house. Ah, and uh, as, uh, that comes, that's that slight rebellious nature. Just, um, you know, have a huge menu of different teas and then just coffee at the bottom. Very much like it is if you go to a coffee shop at the moment, it's, it's coffee, coffee, coffee. And then sometimes at the bottom, it's just tea. No explanation. Exactly. As, just tea. Second thought, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> and you knew there was much more to tea when you'd done your research anyway than just your regular, whatever your, your regular choice is. Yeah, and I was I was twenty eight at the time, so I'd travelled, I'd been around Asia, I knew what good tea looked like, and the experience of it. You know, I'd, I'd been treated to almost kind of ceremonial style tea events, so we decided to bring a bit of that in. And what was the most in, uh, incredible ex- tea experience for you during your travels? Probably it was in Vietnam. I was at that point. I was twenty three. And I'd been to tea, my first tea garden and picked some tea and seen it. I saw it all the way through to being processed. It was a real insight into how it works. Okay. Lovely. And the flavours and everything, you just loved it. Yeah. The whole experience. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, tea through university, it's just, it's a bit of a comfort. Tea means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Well, so that's what I wanted to discuss with yeah. you. And I mean, you're talking to me here in Newry in Northern Ireland Mm -hmm. and you know it's what we turn to Mm -hmm. isn't it for Mm -hmm. for comfort exactly that if somebody's upset let's make a cup of tea 
If you wake up in the morning, you need to get yourself going. Let's have a cup of tea. Before you go to bed at night, a cup of tea just to help you on your way. It is, there's just something about it that, or if you don't know what else to do, mm-hmm. put the kettle on. Yeah, and just, let's just have a cup of tea and think about it. So, yeah, and it, it can be mood dependent or it can be functional or comfort. And, I, and it's, it can be solitary or it can be very social. I just love, and it's different everywhere. And everybody's got a, if I ask you what tea means to you. Hmm. Tea means, I think you said it. I think it is that comfort thing. I just mm. love having a cup of tea on the go. Quite mm. often I don't get to the bottom of it. I find when I'm working at my desk, if I've got to think, I have to have a cup of something. I will have a coffee about you know, mid-morning, yeah. but I love tea. Oh, it just okay. seems to help with the creative processes. <laughs> Alcohol does sometimes, but mm-hmm. no, because you get to a point where, yes, it's not helping anymore, but I, I definitely love the comfort of a cup of tea on the go. Uh, yeah, and, and so that that aspect of it fascinated us. And then the operations aspect fascinated us as well. While we were researching, we just we realised that coffee shops needed help. And it was really good coffee, and you go to a restaurant, you've got really good wine. But um, we, we saw an opportunity for better tea out and about. Okay, so what happened next? Did you set up the tea house? No, we didn't because we, we had uh, we went to Invest in I to get some assistance. We didn't really know how to write a business plan because it wasn't we weren't from a business background. We had to learn very fast uh, about a lot of things. So they were they were great. Um they assisted us. So we were on this journey. We'd spent maybe uh, around a year writing a really solid business plan for tea houses. And then we were approached. And we didn't have any money to invest either. So um, we needed some. It cost us £600 to start the business. I borrowed my £300 of Annie, which I paid her back later. <laughs> <laughs> um, because we needed some tea, we realised that we needed to earn a lot more money. So within this year... We were also at St. George's Market and uh, one of the Christmas markets in Belfast, the Continental Markets. And we also uh, had a friend set up a quite crude but uh, very functional and very needed website at the time. It was, you know, it was, ba- it was basic. It, it did the job. Um, and just so we started getting this trickle of income. And where were you getting the tea from? So we went to a broker in London to start with, not, not just not knowing the supply chain at the time. We bought some tea. Um, it was packed in a spare room. We borrowed some scales from a local shop, and uh, you know, no, no phones, no transport uh, as such. Just packing tea, labelling it, and taking it to the market. And At different types of tea. Yeah, we started with sixteen different types, and we just thought there's some black tea and some green tea. We'd done our research enough to know that there was a a wide range of tea that you might need to suit different tastes but it was experimental mm-hmm. you know some some the white chocolate and passion fruit didn't last too long although it sounds very nice now <laughs> i'd probably go for that but you know that was just something that kind of flashed in and disappeared quite quickly because it wasn't that f- that favorable so there there's a lot of experimentation of what and and trends change and you know so blends do as well but white chocolate and passion fruit could come back it could, could <laughs> maybe, come back maybe. now that you've established <laughs> yourself um i mentioned at the start mm-hmm. too uh when i think of suki tea i think of your very distinctive little teapots oh, yes. that w- yeah. and, and all that goes with that so that was very much the 
going into the coffee shop or mm-hmm. to the cafe um, and there was a sell to be done there because if you sold suki tea you also got the suki pro, uh, teapots or did they have to buy those too uh, yes the coffee shop would have bought those right. uh, just as part of the of the give much less expensive than a two grand coffee machine though you know we, ah, we, we, so we, talk we, to me how, I, how much would would that have been would that have been more expensive than them literally just making the tea themselves tea bag in a cup kind of thing so well, did you have to convince them is what I'm saying no right no it was it was easy enough so we just presented it the, the idea was to draw a parallel on the experience of somebody having a really good coffee you go in there's a barista steam theater and you, the ritual to get a good coffee is to be served by an expert and but the ritual for tea is very much on ownership you make you know the best cup of tea you make yourself that's so true so we flipped it slightly and said right we're going to give absolute ownership to the tea drinker and but we're also going to give them all the theater that they would have got with a coffee so there's the tray and the board and the teapot and it's loose leaf tea inside and then they're maybe told it's going to take three or four minutes they can create it themselves pour it when they like they're in control and they've had and they've had a lovely experience and they could add their milk or not add their milk, yeah. add lots of milk. Or add. We'll get into that conversation <laughs> at some point. I like a strong builder's cup of tea. Do you add milk? Yes, I do. Um, Depending on the type of tea, I suppose. I, I do, I do. I'm not, there's no snobbery around this. No. You know, I think that's important to say. It's just, you expect better if you go out and, and you're being charged for it. So there's a time and a place for all different types of tea and I think the the idea to have basically just to to draw a parallel on the quality of the coffee that's available now in the coffee shops. That was our mission. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 I read last night when I was doing a little bit of research before you coming in today that you're actually uh, supplying outlets around 2,500 outlets across 22 countries. Is that correct? It, it is, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So how did you go from that stall in St. George's Market, 16 offerings, mm-hmm. um, a trickle of customers, uh, to that? We've always had a, an open attitude to asking for help and... Uh, quite brazen attitude to asking for business as well. So we're just not shy to say, can we can we do this? And we we realised at the time. Oh, just just going back slightly. So one of the previous questions was, uh, did you open the tea houses? Oh yeah. But it was Coffee Yard in Hollywood came to St George's Market. They just started. Lovely coffee shop if you've never been, and. They asked us if we could supply them with loose leaf tea and teapots and and that kind of journey started. Well it was it was that conversation um, that made us shelf the business plan that we had. 
because we realized that that was our journey then into coffee shops. So once, and they were a real, really, really big success. So everybody was looking at Coffee Yard to see what they were doing differently because uh, there was queues out the door and they just got it right. And so everybody who was looking at them started to call us saying, can we have some tea as well? So it was getting into the right place with the right feel, the Just right look, the one, right brand. One conversation with Jim from Coffee Yard changed the whole business plan and we pretty much shelved it and we've never looked at it again. So we then, um, you know, early on, we had nothing to lose, very flexible in how we could kind of operate and change. And we just went, OK, that's that's the market for us. Let's Let's approach coffee shops. So we went to Dublin on a train and we had a Sharpie marker, which we just put on the back of the board. We've managed to get uh, space for £180, like a trade stand. It was between two stands in front of a pillar. It, was, it wasn't even a space, really. And uh, we took a bag of product down, put it on a table, uh, a Sharpie marker on the back, and it just had a question to the industry, and it said, would you serve instant coffee? And of course, no coffee in the right mind is going to do that. So why is it a cheap tea bag? Why are you offering this? This is 18 years ago. And we still have a journey. Where did you do this? You went to Dublin, but where did you go specifically? It was at RDS, in a, tra- in a trade show in RDS. Fabulous. And, and that was our, you know, we didn't have much money. So we just had to basically say, look, we're coming down. We need a space. Give us something, please. We've got a mission here. We've, we're on a mission. And at that show, we met a company from Glasgow who sell coffee called Matthew Algae. And they signed us up to st- and they also had 2,000 coffee shops that they were already selling to. So they signed us up. So that's one. that was the first distributor. And now we have um, 21, 20 other distributors around the world and one antique shop in Japan that, oh does, that does really word. well. It's a really kind of random uh, relationship. But I love that. And yeah. how did that one come about? Uh, the guy was studying the son of the... Of the company was studying in Glasgow. His favorite coffee shop sold Suki, and he just phoned me. No, he contacted via Facebook, and that was two thousand eight. And they've been we've been so we've been selling Belfast Brew in Tokyo since then. That's incredible. So the Glasgow distributor was fantastic for you as well. Yeah. And again, you hadn't really got any strategy. It was just going, or did you know I need to talk to that person? We we didn't know that we need we didn't know what a distributor was at that point. We just we were looking for more independent cof- coffee shops like Coffee Yard. Um, fr- on the back of that one conversation, we ended up with thirty coffee shops. So, and what um, happens then in terms of you've got the demand now, but mm-hmm. the supply? I mean, cranking everything up at that stage. Um, how difficult was that? So, okay, so we're going from a we're going from a farmers market business which is um based in my back bedroom so i converted my garage and that was the that was the packing facility um, and then shortly after we outgrew that so we got a small warehouse on the bearsbridge road in belfast and it was just very sh- small amounts everything we earned went back into the business it always has done so it's always ev- every penny has gone back in there's no kind of profits taken Still, still, Goodness. yeah. So it's it's all it's it's all reinvested. Wow, uh, for the growth of the business and the people in it. Is it still tea fun money? Yeah, I mean the the business plan is five years now. It's not just on the back of a napkin. Um, 
But all of those principles, those values and those principles are embedded in the business, and there was there was will be. It's it's a lot more um, kind of filled out as in terms of a plan, and we have we have a, a manifesto which all the staff run by. Actually, they wrote it, um, but it it was a really nice exercise in two thousand and eighteen to get the staff to rewrite the business plan, and their their values are exactly the same as ours were to start with. And it was really refreshing to know that our team was, they got it, you know, everybody gets it. So the values haven't changed. And yeah. if you think about it, 18 years, you said you're in business now, but 18 years ago, you were really ahead of the curve because others have come since you. Mm-hmm. Um, and was that difficult to see or was that something that you were expecting to happen? The the expansion of loose leaf tea companies is yes. really, no, it's really welcome. Like I'm, I'm on. The, I'm also on the board of something called the European Specialty Tea Association, and that champions specialty tea. Brilliant. So a different hat. Um, I mean, if if you look at hospitality, or if you look if you look at tea drinking habits within the UK and Ireland, it's around ninety ninety five percent is tea bag tea, so commodity standard tea, and then so there's a small specialty area. Mm-hmm. So there's a long way to go before it becomes really competitive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay, we, can, we welcome it yeah. and, and embrace that. And you talked about staff as well, so uh-huh. how many people do you employ now? So we have 10 people. Um, our warehouse is on the Peace Line between the Falls and the Shankill Road. I actually saw it recently. Yes. I was up visiting mm-hmm. a, another company up there and I thought, there's Suki G. And uh, we're investing in a new premises, which will... Fingers crossed, we'll be moving to in 2023 into Lisbon. We're we're currently over because th- we've grown organically. We're just over three warehouses, but there's ten of us over three warehouses, so it doesn't really make sense. We're consolidating. And what's your kind of role now? How do you are you still in there packing, uh, or how do you fill your day? So I've moved away from the factory, and I would look after the kind of front end of the business. So talking to customers, gaining new business, uh, but very involved in all aspects of the business still to overse- oversee. Um, but Annie would head up production and logistics and purchasing the tea. And I would look after the creative side of marketing and selling the tea. That's that's the balance, really. Yeah, and it's still working and it's still going yeah. well. I mean, it, yeah, Annie's really like well. your work wife now as well. Do you <laughs> yes. see her more than you would see Samantha? Sometimes. <laughs> um, but we've got a great relationship, always have. You know, we were friends to start with, and um, I think that's, you know, that's always kind of held us together in strong stead for the business relationship as well. And it can, it, it could have been tricky. Yes. But we're just very honest with right. each other so and I know it is difficult and th- that's the thing the, the flip side of that is if you go into business with a friend mm-hmm. there is the danger that you damage the friendship mm-hmm. um, but for you it's actually been the glue that's held you together what yeah. do you think have been the most challenging times for you definitely the last two years mm-hmm. but um, I, if we if we just if we look prior to that it was that it was the hard decisions that you have to make for growth so you've you've banked some money and you know there's opportunities ahead and you need to invest that and so it's it's around finding understanding um together on where that's best placed and do you find because you're different people you want to go in different ways sometimes and and then who who 
wins or how do you get a win-win situation? It's, well, yeah, so it's always, it's always been a win-win in the end. Um, would it, if there is an idea that we... If there's an idea that we're not 100% aligned on, then we'll just talk it out. Sometimes we'll just bring the whole team in and say, you know, who, where does this stand with you? Where, where do these... Where do these ideas fit with the values we've got? We always just refer back to the plan and say, you know, is, it, is this in the, in the interest of the growth of the business as we set out? So it's very, it's very rare, to be honest. Does it help having more people to come in oh, and def- do that def- together? Yeah, it's not, it's not always our dis- it's not. So we, we're responsible for starting the business, but there's a senior management team. So we make decisions together. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful. Um, your products have always been, you know, that organic, that green uh, message. Your the packaging, everything has been so important that um, sustainability and the planet have been considered. Um, again, you were ahead of your cur- ahead of the curve on mm-hmm. that, but that's massively, still massively important to you. Y- yes, you're right. It is. Um, I think the idea, when we first started the business, the idea was just to get things right. You know, those 32 jobs came with very different bosses and attitudes towards business. And we just said, right, let's let's get this right from the start. And we've learned a lot along the way. Um, but as long as everybody's been treated fairly along the way, um, the the three line, the three words that we had, the, the kind of buzzwords uh, around the website are people plant and planet so if we can make sure everybody along the supply chain from the picker and their families all the way through to the to our staff and their families um, and our customers if everybody's looked after then that's that sorted um, we, we buy organic so we've got the plant looked after and then accreditations like rainforest alliance and fair trade look after the environment as well. Fair trade's more people, but Rainforest Alliance looks after the, the environment as well. So so tell me about your sourcing then and, and where you actually get the tea now. So I think the last count was something like 42 countries that the ingredients come from. And we bring the ingredients to our factory in Belfast and blend them. Um, it, can take, it can take around six months to develop a tea. Um, from from scratch and once you're comfortable with what that tea tastes like then you'll launch it to market um so we've got the majority of tea coming from two fair trade gardens which are in rwanda and As- uh, assam in north india have you visited yes ah. yeah i've not been to rwanda yet i'd uh-huh. really like to get there um once once the volume of tea gets to a certain stage then we'll go and visit uh Organisations like Fair Trade really do a good job to kind of connect you and make sure the standards are upheld. Um, but we've been to Tanzania and Assam and Nepal and some uh, Darjeeling is absolutely stunning. Some amazing places, really good perk to the job. And when uh, you go there and uh, you meet the pickers and you hear about their families, do you actually have those conversations? Do you come back reassured that uh, absolutely I can stand by everything that we write in our packaging? Yes, yes. And I don't think fair trade's perfect. I don't think any of these accreditations are perfect. Um, and I think they'd be the first to admit that. But without it, there's so much um, unknown that can happen 
So it's better to have the accreditation and uh, those first time, it's very transparent as a, as a business. TA has always been very transparent. So it's great to be reassured. Talk to me a little bit about the climate and your climate action pledge, because obviously the places that you're growing your tea now, and I know that you have other plants um, and you are growing uh, more locally, but we'll come to that in a second. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the countries that you source from and you look at the challenges and you look at the flooding and you look at the drought, Mm -hmm. um, what's going to happen with where you source your tea from and in, in these countries and what are you doing to try and help so I, I suppose as a business we have the responsibility to to take action and as individuals we do of course but as a business and a collective business we have a huge responsibility and there is there are there are issues in the country there are droughts and you know we we see it firsthand and sometimes we're, we're out of tea mm-hmm. for, for the very reason um we're part of the responsible business network of Northern Ireland and uh, 50% of the team are involved in us joining this and signing up to the Climate Action Pledge. So that's, of course, to um, maintain a future for everybody and um, keep the temperature as it should be. Well, uh, as as a business what we're signing up to do is to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions of Suki tea by 30% by 2030. Mm-hmm. So we're well on our way. We've been at this two, three years now. Um, so we have like a, we have a baseline and there's still a lot to work, a lot of work to do in the wider picture. So we're looking at like absolutely everything is being scrutinized from the small incidentals like packaging within the business to um, the transportation of goods around as well. So we're looking the whole business is kind of taken apart and analysed and we'll make uh, changes everywhere we can. So we're, so we're, we're installing solar soon. Um, that's kind of, it's more of a long-term investment, but with the prices of gas and the, the shocking prices of well, energy. Well, this is moment. absolutely it. And the cost of doing business as well, mm-hmm. you know, it really is. How, how do you feel about it all at the minute? How have you seen your energy bills maybe not quite yet rise, but... I know businesses up until now haven't had any support. I've seen some shocking examples. Yeah, especially hospita- hospitality is really hit. Um, gas and electricity. And unfortunately, we're seeing some fallout from that as well. So customers are just notifying us one or two a month that they have to close because they can't afford to run their business. And Gosh. hopefully we see a, a brighter future for that. But... Um, and I, and I know factories that are running night shifts just to cut costs on on their energy bills. But um, your business model, I suppose, depends on on these independent coffee shops, these tea houses. Um, th- they need to be supported and helped because otherwise your business will suffer. Y- yeah, and if you think, so you think about a, a regular coffee shop, uh, a lot of work's going into that coffee machine that's on all day long. You know, a lot of work's going into how to make that sustainable. So their energy costs are down and there's uh, some innovative machines that are coming out. So hopefully the wider network are looking at hospitality to help it. And then obviously the customers, you know, 
even I've just noticed if you're going in and you had the mm-hmm. sort of one coffee a day habit, there's been quite a hike in the price of that coffee, maybe from £2.50 to £3.50. And, you know, your tenor doesn't go very far anymore. Are people just going to say, do you know what, I'll, I just can't afford this luxury anymore? I mean, I think there's going to be a bit of that, but I think it'll be the upgrade of the car and the fancy holidays that are cut. And those small, affordable luxuries are, you know, we we weathered through 2008. We were just starting the business and our business absolutely boomed because people wanted a treat, a small, affordable treat. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, I I think, we we hope that's going to be the case. But it is difficult and it is tough. Mm-hmm. I recognise that completely. But some solutions need to be found and mm-hmm. any help that can be um, got, maybe with a new Prime Minister, who, who knows? Anyway, I did mention also that you do grow tea locally. Yes. Now, <laughs> we're grow, growing tea and producing tea are quite different. Oh, right. And, okay. actually, actually, well, and actually, growing tea is um, quite a loose term for it so we have a garden in Portoferry mm-hmm. and we have 320 plants and they have survived four winters which means that they're established and we've just taken some pickings this year there we don't have enough in one pick to be able to produce tea so we're freezing them and then once we've got enough at the end of I don't know, say kind of in about October time we'll consolidate it all and start producing some actual tea now, we have enough for about maybe 300 grams. So it's, it's really... How many early cups of tea would that make? Um, so you, it would make a restaurant full of tea. A, yeah, a, a, a busy cafe. And why Port Ferry? It has a microclimate. And our mates have a big back garden. Okay. <laughs> so, right, um, so that's very exciting. And obviously you, 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 you started this four years ago. We've had all sorts uh, of weather since then. And actually, even though it was raining today when we came in, it's been very dry. It, it has. We did a study. This is really ironic to say this, but we don't get enough rain in Northern Ireland <gasps> to grow tea. There you so go. there's 12 inches and we need 18. So we will have to irrigate the garden at some point. It's, it's survived so far, and they're, they're all right, but the, f- the future will say it needs irrigation, so we'll have to top it up slightly, mm. just just in those kind of hot bursts, the two weeks of summer that we get here. <laughs> so this is this is probably not what you f- foresaw whenever you grew tea in Portoferry. You thought, mm, you know, the natural irrigation mm-hmm. will be there, it will be provided, but another sign that the climate is changing. Yes, and, uh, you know, as uh, we, we see it with... Vineyards in England, they're moving north as well. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us more about what's next then for Suki Tea, Oscar. So we're, we're an exciting time. Uh, uh, there are difficulties generally. You know, we've got cost of living and we've got the energy hikes and everything. But speciality tea is on the up. And I think it's because people's knowledge is growing Um there's a lot of choice in regular supermarkets at the moment as well. So people, the education in specialty coffee has led to specialty tea. And uh, we see o- overall this kind of growth in demand for good proper tea. And it's not like, it's not to have every day, it's maybe just to have that treat. So 
we've decided to invest in a new factory. Um, some of it's automated. We're over three factories at the moment, so to consolidate that into one makes a lot of sense. And we can make energy efficiencies and put the solar in and, and really go quite green with the, the new build. Um, we'll continue to champion the education side as well. Yeah, it was part. It's part. It's kind of. It can be part of your education system. Oh, oh, so, so part of the curriculum. Yeah, yeah. it was. But it's pointed. It can. It can add to, like it's. It's officially recognised. But I just don't know how to say that. I've not. Mm. I've not discussed this really so much. So. Okay, so people could actually learn how to produce tea. So they they can learn how to produce tea, or we do courses for tea and hospitality, and then there's. It's not. This is not just a professional side. People who are just enthusiasts can become a member of this uh-huh. organisation. Um, and so there's some courses being launched and there's a training facility being built in Lisbon. That's exciting. I must sign up for that. And, and then we uh, we continue to develop the, the blends as well. So talk us through. You've so many different types of tea. Uh-huh. Um, you know, how, t- tell us about some of the flavours and tell us about how much work goes into creating a flavour. I, I, this is part of the job. I mean, I love the travel. Uh, I love the challenge of running a business. But this is probably the thing I love the most. Just being a real foodie, is you can get really creative with it. And a lot of the teas that we produce might not hit trend. So um, if we create a Mediterranean range, maybe one day that's going to come around into fashion and, and then those will be ready. Um, we've done a lot of work with kind of mocktail type teas. The low to no movement's huge at the moment. What's that? Low to no, so no alcoholic and kind of low alcoholic or no alcoholic. Uh-huh. Uh, and tea is a real, uh, it's a good alternative. Okay. It's, a, it's a nice treat. So so it's not just uh, cafes that are taking this on. Sommeliers are looking at uh-huh. tea as well. Fascinating. Uh, so a base for kind of non-alcoholic cocktails, mocktail type, type uh-huh. teas. And and. On the flip side of that, also teas that are used used in tipsy tea, so as as the base for ingredients in, in actual cocktails. Okay. Yeah. So I would say it takes around six months to develop a flavour. Really creative process, and it involves whoever's had the inspiration to start with, bringing uh, an idea to the table, and then we have uh, maybe a thousand ingredients. The, in the, we call it the tea lab. And we can bring those ingredients together very quickly, make something kind of liquid and then pour the liquids together to go, right, OK, something like this. And then we'll develop that out and fine tune it and um, then we'll test it with our network. And um, if we were if we were doing this solely as a as a role within the business, we could probably turn it around in six weeks. But we're always developing around 10 teas at any given time. So, Are you? yeah, there's always there's always something ahead that we kind of think maybe this will go. Maybe this will, you know, it was dessert teas for a while. It was um, kind of mocktail teas for a while. And Mediterra- we tried Mediterranean. I'm really stuck on making a banoffee pie tea. That's not worked for me yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm continu- That's about five years. You're not giving up. No, I'm not giving up. <laughs> but we're, we're continually being creative there's a there's a real kind of buzz when we taste new flavors and And who tastes who does all the Uh, the whole team okay everybody yeah everybody comes in everybody's invited anyway um we might not see everybody every time but um there would be it's it's not just you know one person making a decision everybody has different tastes well that's what i was going to say it's totally subjective anyway it it? is absolutely so but do you have sort of certain criteria that you all 
taste and say, well, does it have this? Does yeah. it have that? Well, okay. if, if we're tasting, we're not allowed to talk at the time. Okay. Because somebody going, oh, that's a bit chocolatey. Oh. Every, uh, then all, all everybody can taste is chocolate at that point. So you have to the kind of... Th- there's a f- Yeah, there's a few rules about how to engage with tasting, but we all know that by now and it's much fun. It sounds fabulous. I'd love a job as a tea taster. That sounds good. What's your favourite flavour? The, the tea that I go to more over any other tea is Belfast Brew. It's, yeah. uh, there's a bit of bias to that. It's, it's the tea that we produce, but honestly, every time I have it, I'm just like, oh, that's a good cuppa. It's really refreshing. Yeah, it's, it's clean and bright. It's it's robust as well. It's got all the characteristics that tea should have, but um, I, I love Belfast Brew, but sometimes it's mood. So I tend to have uh, something a bit more citrusy, like Earl Grey when I get home. That kind of cuts off my day to, to the evening. And then sometimes... Roybos teas, I like roybos teas at night. So it all depends on mood, but Belfast Brew is the go-to every day. The one that makes you... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, it has been a pleasure talking to you. I'm fascinated. Um, did you know, actually, my granny's cat is called Suki? And that wow. was after Suki tea, because we, <laughs> we, we didn't know what to call him. And, oh, that's amazing. Uh, so what about Suki? We were having a little cup of tea, so there you go. Um, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their businesses by offering insight into the success of businesses such as Suki Tea. So what advice, this question goes to everyone, would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking so they're just about to walk through Ormel Park? Okay. Um there's no bad ideas. I think it's just getting a sense check with uh, either your local business network, ask, asking for help, speak to people. Um, there's, there's a, I think there's something about people who have started a business already that, and, and they've, they've, they're walking down a path that has been trodden so many times. The fundamentals of business are the same. Everybody's idea is going to be very unique. But they're, they're very willing to help out. So I, I would ask the local community, ask the network. Invest and I are very helpful. Uh, Belfast Entrepreneurs Network, I think it's called Ben, still exists. Those, I think, I think it does. I've not been for a while. But um, there's a lot of organizations and a lot of assistance out there. I, th- I think the one scary thing is that people think they're going this alone. And they're really not. There's a lot of willingness to support and help and see things succeed and that requires trust on your part to trust these people that they want to help you and it's not in it for them yes exactly so I wouldn't be scared to to open up and and just have that honest chat you can keep your your business idea kind of locked down if if you're worried about that but just the process of starting and you know you'll find that people are extremely willing to help well, that's lovely. So do ask for help and listen and, and take that help. Oscar, thank you so much for joining me today. Another fantastic episode of the Public Eye podcast. And there'll be more to come. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more.
For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.